good would it feel to feel a sense of embodiment, to no longer fear setting boundaries and to live from a place of joy unapologetically. This amazing interview with Amy Natalie is exactly what you've been searching for as we dive into these potent and powerful subjects. Welcome to the Cyclical Podcast. I'm your host, Cassandra Wilder, and I'm a naturopathic doctor and the leading expert in women's cyclical health and menstruation. Let's get started. Hey, gorgeous friends. Welcome back to the podcast. As you can tell by the title, there's some big subjects in today's podcast. Boundaries, embodiment, ending people-pleasing. Yeah, like all that nitty-gritty stuff that a lot of us are navigating. <laughs> but are not necessarily enjoying. It's not an easy process to go from a life of people-pleasing, saying yes to everything, putting ourselves at the bottom of the list, to now suddenly having boundaries, to now saying no to things, to now really living from our voice and feeling embodied. I so feel you, friends. This has been a lifelong struggle for me as well. I grew up understanding that to be nice meant to say yes to everything, so I didn't have any concept of what boundaries would have meant. I also lived like a people pleaser, so I moved through the early parts of my life doing everything that I thought other people would want of me. Be a 4.0 student, do everything right, never rock the boat, always have a smile on your face, you know, <laughs> you know, the things that we were likely all told to do. And at some point, it all felt really empty. As Amy and I talk about in this episode, at some point we both realized that we were living completely out of alignment with ourselves. We both felt like we were checking off the boxes of what we were supposed to do in life, and yet we felt empty because they were not really what we wanted. We said yes to things that were not in alignment, and one day woke up feeling like, what life is this? Is this mine? Because I don't actually like anything that I see around me. If you've struggled with boundaries, if you feel like you're struggling to really connect to a sense of embodiment, or if even a, a general presence of joy every day feels distant, you're going to love this episode. I got to chat with the amazing Amy Natalie. She's an intuitive mindset and empowerment coach for female leaders and entrepreneurs, and she supports women to overcome their limiting beliefs and their fear-based patterns in business and relationships so that they can rise to greater levels of leadership and success. I first found her on Instagram and was really attracted to her presence as she was talking about boundaries, embodiment, joy, no longer putting yourself at the bottom of the list, and maybe even being, quote, selfish by society's standards. So sit back and enjoy this beautiful, potent conversation that we share together. Hi, Amy. How are you doing today? Hi, I am doing so good. I just finished a beautiful yoga class and made my way back in time for our conversation. So I'm feeling uh, blissed out. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. Life's good in Tulum at the beach. Yeah. <laughs> yes. A little low-key jealous. I'm a Pisces. So as I was reading through your website and stalking your Instagram and all the things, I was so inspired by your story. I mean, it sounds like you've almost lived like multiple different lifetimes in this one lifetime. Um, I mean, you shared that you were married before, that you've done so many different things. Now, recently you've left and are traveling. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible like to, to feel like you've <laughs> gone through so many different phases of life and continue to re readjust and shift. So I'd yeah. love to hear that story. Where did you start? And then how did you arrive to where you are now, where you clearly exude a lot of alignment and flow? 
Yeah, I could totally agree. I recently had my 32nd birthday and I was reflecting over like my life essentially as we do on (laughs) birthdays, right? And I was like, oh my God, like even from last year, I'm not the same person. And then when I think about how many like awakenings and evolutions there have been even in the last, you know, six years, it really Mm -hmm. feels like uh, a whole new lifetime. So I, I'm, yeah. And, and it, it's kind of been a wild ride. So I grew up uh, in a very supportive, traditional household um, where my family was, not, I wouldn't say religious, but we were Jewish. And I went to like a private high school and went to like private Jewish school and kind of just grew up in this really nurturing, supportive environment. And um It wasn't until, I guess, the end of high school where I started to really notice that I was struggling with depression. And I had always been sensitive. Like I'm, I'm a Scorpio rising. I, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. Like I, I can't fake anything. (laughs) Like if I'm not, if I'm not in the mood, I'm not in the mood. And so, um, I, I was always sensitive, but really it wasn't until like my senior year in high school where I really recognized that I was struggling with depression. And I kind of went down the Western path of going to therapy and was told very quickly and early on that I had a chemical imbalance in my brain and that Mm -hmm. I would need to be on medication essentially for the rest of my life. And Mm -hmm. so therapy was super supportive. I'm really grateful that I had medication at the time because I was really struggling. And throughout college, you know, experienced a lot of anxiety and then started to experience more like digestive issues and skin issues and hormone imbalances and just like a whole cascade of physical symptoms. So Um, throughout that time, I got my undergraduate in business entrepreneurship and went to a really, a really great private liberal arts school in Orange County and, you know, kind of did the thing, went, went down the path of what society deems as successful. So I got a college degree. Um, I graduated. I was really passionate about health and nutrition because I found so much value in learning about nutrition for myself. I learned about my food sensitivities and how to balance macronutrients and like just really felt more more empowered around my health versus, you know, Western medicine saying like, take this, take this, but we don't really know what's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And I went down the path of really taking care of my own health and wanting to share that with others and wanting to support others in learning about nutrition. So I became a health coach, I became a nutritionist and started working with women specifically um, to support them in being empowered around nutrition. And during that time, my health really did improve. I, I would say it significantly improved. However, it wasn't, I, I didn't feel amazing. And I I still was experiencing some digestive symptoms and kind of going down the rabbit hole of even Eastern medicine at that time, going to naturopaths, acupuncturists, did the whole thing. And I ended up um, coming home from, I lived in Berkeley for a while. That's where I got my natural chef certification and started my nutrition training. And I came home and um, I was about 23 years old and I ended up meeting uh, who a man who ended up becoming my husband and I got married at the age of 25. And Um, really up until that point, I had lived my life based on the shoulds, based on, you know, being a people pleaser or based on wanting to make my parents happy or, you know, doing the thing that like would 
get me love and attention. And I didn't know I was doing that at the time, but that's really where like my life kind of led me. And as I got married and we bought a house and all these things, I started to realize how depressed I still was and how anxious I was and how my health still hadn't fully improved and really started to do more of the personal development work to be like, everything outside of me is on on paper looks perfect, but inside I feel so empty. And I know that there's something more for me. Like I know there's something greater. I don't feel like I need to feel this way all the time. And so I went on my own spiritual journey, spiritual path, and um, eventually got to a place where I was so unhappy and so confused about what I wanted that I ended up starting my meditation practice and I started meditating on a consistent basis, not because I thought it was like the cool thing to do. I literally didn't know what else to do. I had tried all these other options. And I remember one day sitting in the bath and just being like, I've tried everything. I've tried to figure this out on my own. I feel really unhappy. I'm not super fulfilled in my relationship. Um, You know, like I just can't keep doing this. And I for the first time ever looked up and was like, God, like, please help me. Like, I, I can't do this on my own anymore. Like I really need your help. And that was the first time where I opened to something greater. And since then have really been, uh, I would say guided and really tuned into this idea that I'm not alone and that there is something greater that's guiding and supporting me. And so through that process, really learned how to trust my intuition and built the confidence and built the security within myself to follow the path that I was, my soul was being guided on. And I ended my marriage and that was definitely the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. It was a complete identity change, a fear that like no one would love me. Um, Just really taking the leap of like, I need to do what's going to make me happy. And like, that is the path for me. And um, my life completely transformed. I started to attract really incredible friendships. My business completely transformed. I shifted from nutrition coaching to becoming a spiritual teacher and a mindset coach. And my clients just started getting really incredible results. And I guess the rest is history. That's kind of you know how how I got to where I am today, and the journey continues. I mean, there's always new awakenings and awarenesses happening along the way. Mm-hmm. Never ends. Just when we right. think we have it figured out, life's like, nope. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I resonate though with so much of your story, and the people pleasing piece seems to be big. Where we, like you said so well, we follow the path we think we're supposed to. We're supposed to get the degree and get married. And then we're supposed to just be happy with that. And unfortunately, some of us get there and we feel really empty mm-hmm. in it. And uh, from the outside, you know, there's there's often a lot of stigma around yeah. that, like you'd shared, like who's going to love me again? And who, you know, what are, what are my parents or whoever going to think? But you still did it. And that was hugely courageous. And obviously it worked out pretty good. Like you're doing yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was a journey to get there. And yeah, people pleasing is such a huge thing that I see um, with my clients and with with women in general. And and when we look at the core, like I love to look at kind of like the science and the psychology behind why mm-hmm. that is, is you know, we are always our, our primary goal as humans, like our 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 mind wants to keep us safe. And so in an evolutionary standpoint and really taking a look at, you know, if we don't have community, if we don't have 
family, if we don't have people around us, then that would mean essentially that we would be alone. And if we are alone, then we literally can't survive. Like it's a survival mode. And so we will do so many different things as humans to be accepted, to be approved of, to fit in, to make sure that no one's upset with us because we're afraid of being alone. And it it really is this deep survival mechanism when we get to the root of it, of why that happens. Yes. I love that you just brought the psychology into this because yeah, they're like all things, everything has a purpose in the body, but our modern culture tends to push us into the extreme of it, where now we're living out of embodiment, out of our truth to attempt to make people love us. Where do you start with people pleasing? If someone comes to you and has a story like yours or mine, where they're like, I don't even know who I am. I just try to make sure everybody else likes me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the question that that most people have never really asked themselves. Well, one one is like a, a, a traditional, like spiritual question that's been asked since the beginning of time is like, who am I and why am I here? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. those are those are big, big, big questions that that we can start to ask. But really, something that's that's more simple is is what brings me joy. And if you can start there and write down the little things that bring you joy and the big things that bring you joy and really start to connect to what are the things that make me happy? What are the things that make me feel alive? And, and what are the things that light me up? And when you can start to see, oh, like I actually really enjoy this and I've been doing this this whole time, but that actually doesn't even feel good to me. That doesn't even light me up. That doesn't feel alive for me, then you can start to see, okay, where have I been conforming to the mold? Anything from like how you dress or what you eat or who you hang out with, like you can start to see where am I abandoning myself? Where am I saying yes to other people and doing the things that make other people happy at the expense of my own happiness and my own joy? And Obviously, we we live in a culture where the old paradigm is that it's selfish to put yourself first. It's selfish to focus on your own joy. And the truth is, is that when we keep compromising ourselves and when we keep um, trying to make everyone else happy, no one wins. You're showing up inauthentically in your life and you can't really create those deep, authentic connections that our souls really crave. And so the biggest gift that you can give the world is to focus on your own joy, is to fill your own cup, and then to show up and give your, give your light to others and to, to show up lovingly and present and authentically with others. And that transition process can be really scary and, and it can be really hard to leave an old identity behind and to really honor what's true for you. Mm-hmm. Do you think the feminine tends to struggle with this a lot more than the masculine? 100%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I like to say, so sometimes we can use those words. um, Some people will think, okay, well, the masculine means men and the feminine means women. Um, And it's, it can be a little bit confusing. So what I would say is that like men and women all have like masculine and feminine energies within them. And what I would say, I would say that women struggle more than men with this, although men do struggle with this as well. So the reason why I believe that women struggle with this so much is because we have been um, programmed and we have been raised in what we would call a patriarchal society. And 
what that means is a more masculine dominant society where we are taught to um, behave a certain way, to show up a certain way, to follow certain rules, to um, uh, think a certain way. And we're really not taught to trust ourselves, to trust our intuition, to honor our feelings, like none of that. So I believe that because of the patriarchal system that we're brought up in, that's really focused on success and productivity and um, uh, I would say, yeah, th like that type of, of, of energy, um, as women, we, we for centuries, if you even look back, like your grandmother and your mother, like we've been taught to be the, the givers we've been taught to just like be martyrs or to put everyone else first at the expense of ourselves. And so I think it's more of that paradigm of like the old ways that women have operated in society and in family units that is, is really not healthy and also not serving us. Totally. Yeah. Like you said, it sounds like the, the ingrained things like, like be nice and just be quiet. And these things that we were all told by people throughout our lives that maybe didn't mean it in a, in a bad way have really ingrained in us to be small, to people, please. Like you said, mm -hmm. to live out of our truth. Um, if that makes other people happy, but I think what you and I both see are more and more women coming back to this and reclaiming their joy. And they're still just as wonderful of, of mothers and wives and humans and whatever, which is totally. really special. They're maybe even better because yeah. they live in their joy. Yeah. I mean, I played the, the good girl role for a really long time. It's interesting. I was a good girl and followed the rules, but I was also really <laughs> rebellious because there was like this part of me that like, you know, was, was, was craving inside to be, to be released and, and not follow all the rules. So yeah, I, I think that we are seeing a new model of what it looks like to be a role model for children and what it looks like for women to take care of themselves and, and still show up as amazing mothers, as amazing wives, as amazing partners, friends, um, and, and doing that from a place of, of taking our power back. So you said like, even like taking your joy back, but really taking our power back too. of like, we don't need to show up in these old ways in order to be loved, approved and accepted of. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> oh, I so hope everyone can connect with that at some point in their life. Mm -hmm. So you talk a lot about embodiment in your work and helping people connect back to that. How would you describe embodiment? And then what would be a sign that we're in embodiment versus maybe still operating in that people-pleasing mentality? Yeah, I think I answer this question different every time I get asked because it's <laughs> such an exploration. And I would say yeah. it is a newer uh, element of my work. However, it has been profoundly impactful for, for me and my life. So embodiment is really about being connected to the feminine body and, and being connected to the wisdom of your body, being connected to your intuition, being connected to your pleasure. So the sensory experience of life, um, being connected to your breath and really practicing, um, being connected to the vessel, like your, your physical body. And most people are not connected to their body because we live so much in our mind, or we have past trauma that actually keeps us out of our body. And 
one of the things that happens when you start to do embodiment work, and I'll give some examples of what that is so that it's a little bit more contextualized, is, you know, breath work brings us, or pranayama brings us into the body. Yoga is a beautiful form of embodiment, connecting the breath to the movement. Um, I'm in the I'm in the process of getting certified in a different uh, embodiment practice, which is a movement and dance class that allows us to release somatically heal and release emotions from the body. So there's so many different ways that we can we can see embodiment and what what embodiment is is instead of like thinking that you are powerful or thinking that you're confident or thinking that you're successful it's like what would that feel like in your body? And it's very obvious when a woman is embodied when it's very obvious to me, like I can see when someone's just living in their mind or disconnected from their body, the way that the body moves, um, the the way that people talk, it, it's a very different way of living. And one isn't right or wrong. We just haven't been taught how to live in the body. And so the benefits of embodiment is really experiencing more aliveness, more pleasure, um, experiencing more of your emotions, like really being connected to what's going on in your body. So instead of like numbing out or ignoring it is actually allowing yourself to feel and to move through it. And, um, I, yeah, I would just say it's, it's a really beautiful way, healing modality. And I think another exploration in the world of personal development that is really starting to come online. And I do believe that embodiment is like the feminine way of healing. Um, it's a very feminine approach to healing the body and the mind. I totally, totally agree. Because like you said, it's a connection to body. So getting out of the mind, getting out of control, getting out of the way in which we want to make life look a certain way. And then instead, it's more of a, a state of presence, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And you talking about these somatic therapies like dance, I have missed like ecstatic dances and all these things that in most of the world have not been available. Um, and I'm just so as you're talking, I'm like, oh, my God, I just want to go move my body and be with other people and connect. Yeah, it's definitely I would say it's really beautiful soul soul medicine. And, you know, it's taken me a long time. I'll share just a little bit about my journey because I've been thinking about this a lot is you know, my journey with my body itself is I used to hate my body. I used to be so, have so much negative self-talk around my body, specifically in, in, in middle school and high school and college. Like I just was kind of at war with my body. And then because I had physical symptoms and digestive issues and hormone imbalances, it was just like this constant thing that I was trying to, to fix and to figure out. And it's been quite the journey of self-love and of being really patient and gentle with my body and learning how to listen to her and listen to what she needs. And then now coming into this new practice of not only loving her, but also like allowing myself to experience pleasure through my body and expression through my body in a way that like I have been suppressing and hiding for so long for fear of judgment, for fear of like just, yeah, just, just feeling like it is a very powerful expression. And so it's like, uh, something that, that can be really scary to step into. So I really, I really wish for, for every woman to, you know, really start wherever you're at on your embodiment journey. A lot of people, it starts with yoga, 
Um, for some people, it is, you know, ecstatic dance and movement. But I do feel like this is a really beautiful um, space for for exploration. And um, one of the easiest things that you can do for embodiment is let go of what it looks like. So putting on a song and it doesn't matter if you're a good dancer, or if you have dance experience, <laughs> I was a dancer when I was younger, and this is not dance. This is uh, free form movement, intuitive movement, allowing yourself to feel the music, to feel the sensations in your body, to notice how your body is moving and feeling and where do things feel stuck and tight and where do things feel open and really just being in the exploration. And when we do that, it allows that presence that you were talking about before, which is a very spiritual practice. It allows here, us to be here in the moment and there's some beautiful messages that can come through and things that we can learn about ourselves in the world through our movement practice. Yes. And with that embodiment practice, it's also letting go of the fear of judgment mm -hmm. and the fear of like, this looks weird. <laughs> or yeah. I'm like a crazy person or, you know, I remember the first ecstatic dance I ever went to. I was like, what is happening? I wasn't ready for it. Uh, but everyone was doing that. They were embodied. They were in their zone moving in the way that felt good. And I was the one like all rigid. <laughs> to <front>. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's so much perfectionism too, right? It's mm -hmm. like, am I doing it right? And the more that we can let go of that. I mean, I used to judge things that, that I thought were weird, right? So like, if you go and watch an ecstatic dance class, like, and you have no idea what's going on, like, it is weird. And it looks like really silly and goofy and like strange. And these are all constructs that we've been taught of, of, you know, what's considered normal or safe or what people, you know, are, are accepting of. And, and it's almost like in, in, I don't want to say normal society, but in society, we have so many norms that allow us to be safe and, and to be accepted that when we veer away from that and we, we do something that's a little bit off the beaten path, it's like, Oh yeah, this is edgy. This feel this feels scary for my ego because I'm afraid that I'm going to be judged. And in time, each time you practice and release that a little bit more, um, it does get easier. It's just like a muscle. Yeah, yeah. you just have to practice it. <laughs> and it might be hard at first, but yeah. So it sounds like to you to live embodied, get in your body, <laughs> move, shake, dance, get on your yoga mat, and then. Also, I liked the permission you gave to just love your body. I remember for years thinking like a, a beautiful body meant I had to have like a tiny little stomach or I had to mm. have a four pack or I don't know, you know, these weird things we all thought mm -hmm. in like the, the t early 2000s. Um, and now there's so much beauty in being able to touch your belly. And even if it's a little soft and to just love it as it is or to to honor those places of our bodies that we tend to pick apart and find compassion for it. Mm, I love that so much. Yeah, wherever our listeners are right now, I just invite you to see if you're currently holding on to your abs, if you're sucking in, or if you're like doing the the muscle contraction to keep your stomach really flat and just see what it would feel like to take an exhale and just allow your belly to like fall and relax and see how maybe how foreign that feels for you because we're so used to like sucking in and, and keeping it tight and all of that. And so that's one way that I really like to, to just do that practice. You can put your hand on your belly and, and feel that. And yeah, another beautiful embodiment practice is through self-touch. Like we are, a, we are starving for touch and 
if we can start to give ourselves that touch and feel the sensations of different types of touch, that's a beautiful way to, to start to get into the body as well. Yes. Yes. I teach a lot about breast massages and womb mm. massages. So yeah, Amazing. all of the things, all the things. <laughs> yeah. So to be embodied is to be in our truth is to be in our body. And it also, I imagine as we tap into our embodiment, the people pleasing and the perfectionism, those things tend to become less overwhelming. Yes. Yeah. It's like the beauty about embodiment is can you show up as your authentic self unapologetically, whether that's in your sensuality, whether that's in your spirituality, whether it's in your raw emotion, like, can you be yourself and really honor that? And, and that's a beautiful expression of embodiment as well. Mm-hmm. So to shift gears just a tiny bit, one thing that I loved seeing in your work is you talk about sacred boundaries and you talk about a sacred no and creating structure around what you'll accept and what you will not. And I think this really plays into the embodiment. The people that tend to really struggle with boundaries also tend to struggle with those patterns of people pleasing. How do you help people recognize the power of boundaries and also feel safe enough to implement them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is such a big conversation. I actually just taught like a a three-week course on this because Mm, it is something that so many people struggle with. And and the first place that I really like to start is talking about like, what are boundaries? I had this conversation in my mastermind with some some of my uh, clients yesterday. And one of my clients was just like really resistant. She was like, well, I'm a super generous person. I'm super giving. And when I think of the word boundaries, it feels like I'm putting up a wall or I'm pushing people away and that doesn't feel good to me. And so that is commonly what people feel like I'm going to put up a boundary. So I'm putting a space in between this person and myself so that I can protect myself. And obviously, if that's the the way that we perceive boundaries, we're not going to want to do it because it feels like we're pushing people away. So I like to say that the purpose of boundaries is actually to create authentic, intimate connection and that boundaries create space for more love, not less love. So that's where I like to start. Um, Mm -hmm. If the word boundary feels like a, a big concept or it still just has that old connotation for you of, of pushing people away or putting your walls up. Another word in the way that I teach about boundaries is agreements. So you can replace the word boundary with the word agreement, which is where I like to start in the first place of how do you even figure out what your boundaries are. So the way that we figure out our boundaries is really to get clear on what do I need? What are my basic needs to take care of myself, to love myself, to feel healthy, to feel happy? Like what are the things that I personally need? to show up as my highest self. And then from that place, then we can make agreements with our higher self and with the people around us. So an example of that is, you know, an agreement with myself with myself might be like, I only eat foods that really feel good and amazing to my body. That would be an agreement. 
um, with, you know, maybe socially, because as the world starts to open up again, I'm noticing that a lot of people are struggling with, you know, creating space and time to still take care of themselves. And they're just saying yes to all these opportunities because we're like starving for connection and we don't want to disappoint other people by saying no. Mm -hmm. Um, But really checking in with yourself before you say yes to an opportunity is, you know, does this feel aligned for me? Do I have the energy and the capacity to do this? Or am I just saying yes, because I'm reactive or because I don't want to let people down? So you can ask yourself, like, where is my response coming from? Where is my choice coming from? Is it coming from love? Like it really feels good for me? Or is it coming from fear? I'm doing it because I want to please or don't want to disappoint someone. And sometimes there's cases where we compromise, you know, like there's family stuff that maybe I don't really, really want to go to, but like I say yes, because my family's important to me, right? So (laughs) it's important to take a look at your own values, what's important to you and what your priorities are. And then you can create your agreements based on that. And, you know, a social boundary or social agreement might be something like, I only make social arrangements like two nights a week or, you know, I, a, a boundary or an agreement with yourself might be like, I always take like Sundays to myself, like Sundays are really sacred for me. And I create the space and time to slow down and be in flow and not plan things. So these are some examples of how we can set boundaries. And, you know, with family and friends, I feel like that's the place where people struggle the most. <laughs> Because they they feel like, oh, if I set this boundary, then this person's going to be mad at me. I'm going to feel guilty. I'm doing something wrong. And really, it comes down to having courageous conversations. So I teach about courageous conversations and really authentic, honest communication. Because if the people who love you really, really love you and you share with them that right now your priority is that you need to take care of yourself. And if they don't like that, then they're probably not the people that are meant to be in your inner circle. Mm -hmm. The problem with boundaries is often people like are reactive and passive aggressive with their boundaries. And also sometimes they wait until their boundaries have been crossed too many times and then they communicate it in a way that's not effective. So I believe that if we are communicating effectively and we are taking the time to share with the people that we love why this is important to us and that it actually doesn't have anything to do with them, then they won't take it so personally or be so mad at you. Um, So there's so many elements here, but that's really kind of the foundation of how I look at, you know, your sacred no, um, as you asked earlier the sacred no comes from when you say no to things that are out of alignment for you, what you're really doing is saying yes to your higher self. You're saying yes to your self-care. You're saying yes to your purpose. And it's so important to have your no so that you can live a yes life so that you can, when you do show up to social arrangements or you do show up to um, you know, business opportunities that you are being authentic and that you're actually able to be present because you've taken care of yourself in this beautiful way. Yes. You summarize that so well. It is hard to, to, to talk about boundaries because there's so many layers, but I love that reframe of agreements because then it sounds less scary. It just sounds like this is what works and this is what doesn't. It takes away that like, oof, but a boundary scary. Mm -hmm. It is scary. (laughs) Yeah. 
And I also like the the reminder that if someone really has a problem with you approaching them in a kind and loving way and saying, this is my boundary, this is my agreement, if they really struggle to accept that, that's something else to consider and something else to think about. And, and that's alarming that they're not willing to honor where you're at. Yeah. And I also say like, it is such a journey and boundaries are, are definitely a practice. And my clients have shared like the, the drastic difference, you know, women who come to me who are people pleasing just runs in like their bones, like it, it, it's their <laughs> way of survival in the world. And, and the people in their life are used to them saying yes to everything. So, yeah. so don't be surprised if at first, when you start setting boundaries that people are resistant, it doesn't mean they don't love you. It might just be like an adjustment period. And don't be surprised if they test your boundaries because we have trained and taught people that we're available all the time or that we always say yes. And then all of a sudden you start like standing in your power, you start speaking your truth it will be an adjustment and it might be uncomfortable for a little bit. And so it isn't easy to set boundaries. It is challenging. And over time, what I've found is that people respect you so much more when you're not just like a doormat, when you're not just saying yes to everything that everyone wants from you. Like people respect you. And I believe that this conversation around boundaries is so much bigger than just us. I believe that we are are creating a new story and a new paradigm for women. Every time that you honor your boundary, you're actually setting an example for other women and other people of what does it look like to take care of yourself? What does it look like to honor your truth? What does it look like to, to live in your authenticity and to be honest with the people around you? Um, I, I believe that we are rewriting an old story that, that isn't serving us individually or as a collective. Exactly. Exactly. And as you said that I was thinking of the mentors I've had and the people I've really looked up to and they they were they were always people that their yes meant a lot and their no meant a lot and they were very very clear on what worked and what didn't. And that was so admirable because when we're living in people pleasing mode we're like, "Whoa, how did they do that?" Totally. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's really cool too is that once you start to embody your boundaries, which is more of on an energetic level, like people just don't ask you to do shit that you don't want to do. Like people <laughs> just feel it. They know it. They're not scared of you, but they honor and respect your time. So you practicing your boundaries is about you practicing honoring and respecting your time. And when you start to do that, there will that will be reflected in your relationships. And I, I have a, an example of this. When I was a nutritionist, I used to see clients in person at my office and I would let my clients like schedule whenever they wanted to. I didn't have like a very specific, like I only see clients at this time. And it was because I was new and I just wanted to get, make sure that I was getting clients and that I was being really easygoing and flexible and all of that. And you know what happened? People would reschedule last minute. People would no show. Mm -hmm. People it just kind of like walked all over my schedule. And then I would be in my office like waiting around. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I started to get really clear on, you know, what my times were when I was available and started to take leadership in that way, people stopped canceling. Like I, it, I don't remember the last time that someone rescheduled last minute or canceled or didn't show up for me. Like it just doesn't happen anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's really fun to see how the world adjusts around you when you start to honor yourself in this way. 
Yes. Oh my God, Amy. <laughs> I Any entrepreneur that's listening to this can really relate to what you just said. I've had that same thing where, yeah, I would schedule someone anywhere, anytime, especially if they lived on the other side of the world. I'd, you know, I was like, oh, I'll, I can wake up at 5 a.m. or, oh, I can stay up till nine o'clock. And you're just like, oh my God, now I think back. And I'm like, no wonder you were so exhausted and burned out and depleted feeling because I wasn't living in my boundaries or in my embodiment. Mm. Yeah, I think many people can relate to that. (laughs) (laughs) It's a hard, I think just to switch this into entrepreneurship for a second, I think this conversation tends to be hard for entrepreneurs at the beginning because they are saying like what your client said, they're like, well, I'm a giver and I'm, you know, a nurturer and I'm here to serve. Um, But unfortunately, if we're not kind of being proactive with this, that can lead to that burnout inevitably. Uh, it definitely leads to the burnout and it, <laughs> and it leads to also resentment, you know, it leads mm-hmm. to resentment towards your clients, towards your business. Um, you know, like you showing up exhausted and like just constantly overgiving, it really doesn't benefit you or your business. And I think, I don't know, it feels like there's this idea, especially when we come from the people, people pleaser lens that like, setting boundaries means that you're mean or you're, you're not showing up. And it's like, it's so twisted and interesting how the mind and the ego perceive that. But yeah, I definitely feel like many entrepreneurs initially do struggle with it. And we learn, we learn through, you know, saying yes to too many things. And, um, one of my, my clients who, you know, has an incredibly successful business and, and she's a, she has a marketing agency and a podcast and all these things. And, um, she, she specifically struggles with boundaries with her family and friends. And she described it as like, she was like, I feel like a prostitute giving my time and energy (laughs) to everyone. Like I just like give, 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 give. And then I have nothing left to give to myself and I feel so depleted. And I thought that was like a really interesting way to describe it, but that's really what's happening is just like this lack of regard and lack of like respect for your time and your energy. And, and, you know, that's not sexy to anyone. Yeah. And people feel that as especially, you know, business owners or practitioners or or whatever, Mm. it also shows up with our clients when they can feel and see that we're not as present, we're not as invested in their their time, you know, we're, we're like, I'm just trying to cope over here. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It results to things slipping through the cracks, not being mm-hmm. able to be present, being late, not following through on things. Like it just it, energetically, it definitely is felt. Yeah. Ooh, so entrepreneurs listening, take note, <laughs> don't mm-hmm. implement it sooner than later. You will thank us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for someone that is ready to start setting boundaries and is ready to have a a clear understanding of what their yes feels like and what their no feels like. Do you have one tip that could help them really feel energized and courageous enough to start? Yeah, I like to do this from the embodied practice. Um, So we can even do this now while while we're listening. If you're driving, obviously don't close your eyes, but if you're (laughs) somewhere where you can close your eyes, I invite you to do so. And I want you to think of a time in this last week where someone has asked you to do something. Maybe it's socially, maybe it's in your business, maybe it's with your family. Just really think about what they asked you to do or invited you to do. 
And bring that into your body and connect to your breath for a moment. And I want you to feel in your body when you think about this decision to say yes, does it feel light and expansive or does it feel heavy and contractive? Notice in your belly or in your body, does saying yes feel expansive and great or does it feel heavy and contractive? And then when you're ready, you can open your eyes. And if you didn't get a clear message, that's totally okay because this takes a little bit of practice and the more and more you do it, you'll, you'll start to get what we call your sacral yes and your sacral no. So this answer lives in your gut, it lives in your solar plexus, our, our center for personal power. And when we can start to connect to what does it feel like in my body versus in your mind being like, should I do this? Should I not do this? Is this the right thing? I'm going to feel guilty if I say no. What are they going to think of me? Like all that mind mm -hmm. chatter isn't going to give you your true yes or your true no. It has to come from an embodied place. So that's a practice that I invite you to do. And it can be even, you know, practicing in small ways. You don't have to decide like, am I going to leave my relationship or not? Like, or <laughs> am I going to quit my job? Like those are really big questions that like are really scary. So you can really just start with, you know, small decisions every day. And before you just have your auto, auto response, your, your quick response, can you take some time to just close your eyes and connect with yourself and feel into, does this feel like a yes or does this feel like a no? And then the practice is really communicating that and honoring it if your boundary is tested. That was a wonderful practice. And it was so succinct and simple. Like we could do that anywhere when we're presented with a, a question or a, a scenario that we don't know how to address. Mm. Yeah, and the body holds so much wisdom, like I mentioned earlier. So so the, the way to drop into that practice, and like you said, you can do it anywhere that you want, is to just take a few deep breaths to, again, drop into the body, get out of the mind, calm your nervous system down. And then once you've taken you know, maybe two or three deep breaths, then just posing the question and seeing what comes up. And if you notice that your mind is trying to respond, come back to the breath again and 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 come back to the sensation does this feel light or does this feel heavy and that's all you got to know we know yeah. innately just like you said when something feels good and when we're like well i just should <laughs> yeah or we totally. rationalize it in our head that's <laughs> the key in your head you're trying to make it feel better than it is yeah i mean the logical mind you know we this is i think one of the biggest shifts that i made and what what has allowed me to start living in my truth um, is really making choices from this place time after time. And it's not easy. It, it's not an easy, you know, way to navigate things in, in the moment. It can feel really scary. And overall, the benefit of it, it's like, would I rather like honor and listen to my truth and live in my truth or keep making decisions that, you know, don't feel good for me or that make other people happy. But then at the end of the day, I'm left feeling disconnected from myself, unfulfilled, feeling depressed, feeling empty, feeling low. Like that's really where my breaking point came from is like, 
am I going to keep saying yes to everyone else around me at the expense of my own health and happiness? And sometimes we have to get to that breaking point where we start to realize like, I will never abandon myself again. I will never, you know, not honor my truth when something feels really important to me or true for me. And that's how we choice by choice start to create a life that feels aligned, a life that lights us up, a life where we can really truly show up for our purpose, for our relationships, for the things that bring us joy. Like these micro moments, these micro decisions really add up and are what allow us to create, you know, a life that that we're all meant to be living. That in 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 my in my belief, this is how we are meant to be living. And if more people were able to do this, we would experience a lot more healing and connection on this planet. My drop. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a quite the way to end a podcast. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's what we all strive towards. And I do think we'll come to a place where everyone lives in that embodiment and lives in their sacred boundaries. And what a beautiful world this will be mm. when we're operating from a place of faith, not fear. Yes, 100%. You are so amazing, Amy. I'm so glad we finally connected. Where can everyone connect with you and continue to learn from your beautiful teachings? Thank you so much for having me here. I feel like this was just like such a easy, flowy connection mm -hmm. that we had even leading up to our recording. So I really, really appreciate the space and time to connect with you and your audience. And um, yeah, to continue learning, I think especially related to what we talked about today, I have a um, guided morning ritual that I created recently that really uh, walks you through some beautiful embodiment practices. Um, so if you want to download that for free, I believe that we're going to put the link in the show notes, mm -hmm. but you can go to my website uh, URL, which is amynatalieco.com slash morning ritual. So you can find that there. Um, you can also find me on Instagram. My handle is at amynatalieco. And I really love to interact with, with, you know, listeners. And I really love to interact with people who are new to my work. So if you listen to this and you enjoyed this conversation and you found something of value for you, please come on over and send me a message. I'm really friendly and welcoming, and I would love to welcome you into my community on Instagram as well. Amazing. Well, I will put all that in the show notes. So thank you again, Amy, for being here. And thank you everyone for tuning in. Connect with Amy on Instagram. And if you loved this episode, please screenshot it and tag both of us on Instagram so we can celebrate you. All right, beautiful friends. We will see you next week. Thank you.